Hold on to your butts. Hello and welcome to episode 7 of the Reviewed Movie Podcast. I am Ivan Kander and with me are Mike Morandi and Dave Glenn. Say hello, gentlemen. Hello, Hello, gentlemen. gentlemen. And we have a very special episode uh, uh, this week. Uh, In honor of Harold Ramis, we are going to be discussing Ghostbusters. And uh, I probably should explain what this podcast is, if this this is the first time you have actually uh, listened to us. We are a podcast that talk about old or classic movies in a modern cinematic context. And you can view us on the web at reviewedpodcast.com and facebook.com slash reviewedpodcast. So yeah, I kind of jumped the gun, I guess. Um, (laughs) I'm so excited to talk about about Ghostbusters, guys. <laughs> so much, so much. Um, but uh, the reason we're talking about Ghostbusters is very sadly Harold Ramis, uh, the film's uh, co-writer and uh, star, co-star, co-star, yeah. co-star and co- he star. co-wrote too, right? Co-star, star. co-writer. Yeah. Um, recently passed away, and he's also a man that's done some really classic movies. Um, uh, Groundhog Day, which is probably one of my top like ten movies of all time. Stripes. He directed that. He directed Stripes, which no, he. Uh, was in Stripes and wrote Stripes, yeah. which I love. Uh, one of my favorite movies. Um, so, and he directed Caddyshack, I believe. That Not sounds... sure that he directed it. I think that was that Harold Ramis that directed it. Might have uh, been. Um... Only we had some form of online. Only <laughs> <laughs> we knew our. Uh, if we knew our stuff. Good, before that. good thing uh, we prepared for this one, I'm guys. I'm trying to remember the last movie he directed. I remember the last movie I saw him in, though. And that yeah, was, last movie uh, he directed was a uh, uh, BC, right? Or the uh, Year One. Year One, which Excuse not, me. was not very highly regarded, but he was. <laughs> he did have a really good cameo in the movie Knocked Up, which was. Uh, oh, right, which right, was right. actually highly regarded. He played Seth Rogen's um, father. Yeah, he wrote Caddyshack. He wrote Caddyshack. He also wrote Back to School, which is one of my uh, favorite movies with uh, Ronnie Dangerfield. So yeah. the man's kind of had a com. He's a comedy legend, I would right. say. He was, he was more, more of a comedy acting legend in the 80s and more of a uh, act directing legend of the 90s, I would say. I can't remember what else he directed in the 90s, but obviously Groundhog Day is enough. <laughs> far as I'm concerned. He directed uh, Analyze This this and Analyze That. Analyze This, right. Which, um, uh, the first I one was good. I don't think I've seen the sequel, but I remember enjoying the first one a lot, mm-hmm. actually. Yeah. Um, so you, you're good. Oh, that's, see? That's what I remember. He's good. He's Wait, good. I'm, He's good. I'm sorry. Is Billy, is, is De Niro in the house? Wait, I'm sorry. No, that was Dave. Whew. He actually looked like him for a second. I know. That was so weird. I got to, he, he actually transformed now, into De Niro. Before we get into the depths of the Ghostbusters podcast and our discussion, I do want to mention that Dave is currently wearing a Ghostbusters t-shirt, which I believe he, did you, where'd you pull this out from? Uh, well, my, my shirt drawer. Wait, how, how often does uh, this shirt come out? Uh, how often? Shirt, <laughs> I'm calm. I bought this shirt seven years ago when I actually when I first met my wife and I we were talking about Ghostbusters and it came up and I said I'll bet they sell Ghostbusters shirts online and they do believe it or not they sell <laughs> Ghostbusters shirt on the and internet decided, way back in 2006 and she decided to stay with you after this purchase she did she did that's, that's a keeper right there I, I, yeah. yeah I mean I had a Ghostbusters t-shirt except the Ghostbusters t-shirt I had uh, had like the I can't remember what you call this but it was like a, a poofy kind of. Uh, like, you it was 3D. It? A the 3D, rubberized rubber, kind of. Yeah, yeah. They, they sell them at boardwalks oh, in, right, in New right, Jersey right. or something. You, you would go there and you would get like t-shirts that had like sparkles and they were kind of. You yeah, did. Like a, you could get them. You personally could get t-shirts with sparkles on them. Sparkles, yes. <laughs> Lots very of sparkly t-shirts. Man, Mike. Very sparkly Ghostbusters t-shirts. Uh, mostly, it was kind of some kind of poof thing. Uh, it's not, it's some way of ironing on. I mean, anyway, everybody had the. Uh, Poofy Ghostbusters shirt. <laughs> no, I, I do. That was a trend back in the day. I remember the poofy things on the shirts. Yeah. It was, and so uh, they kind of emulated it with this T-shirt. It has the red stripes on the arms. It has the red stripes on the uh, on the neck. Boom. Anyway, so this, Ghostbusters. Is there a fun fact about a logo there? You said it was a. Uh, it's the more recent logo. Oh, they've original? changed the logo. I don't know that they've changed the logo. Uh, I know. I know Ghostbusters too had a. The guy very, very the, cleverly had him holding up two fingers. Two fingers yeah. <laughs> That's for the number two. So um, to get into this, uh, this is uh, uh, when we go around. I think it'd be good to kind of talk about our background with Ghostbusters and when was the last time you saw it? Because I think we've all seen this movie, right? Yes, yeah. yes. Okay. Finally, this may be the first podcast where I've actually seen the movie going I, into it. I will say this: I know you guys are much bigger Ghostbusters buffs than I am because. Like as a kid, I, didn't, I think I only saw it a couple of times. This wasn't like a movie that I watched all the time as a kid. And I know so many people had that experience that this was like the movie that they would watch over and over again, like a seminal defining childhood movie, wow. um, which is interesting in rewatching it because there's so much adult stuff in it when you're watching it. <laughs> I, I do know, I do, I know at least one person your age that watched that was, 
I'll just leave that for when I when you get to me. Okay. All right. <laughs> but let me get let me uh you know what, Mike, I'm gonna start with you. What uh, did you what what was your relationship with Ghostbusters? Um did you watch it a lot as a kid? When was the last time you saw it, like until you rewatched it for this podcast? Now, right. And do you think it holds up? Okay. It's a uh, lot it's a lotus first, of the, the yeah, lot going on there. I'll take it. I'll take it all. Uh, I'm really excited that we picked this movie. It's like one of my favorites, all time favorites. Um I think I can only really say that recently. So check it out. As a kid, I never actually saw this movie itself. I was a huge fan of like the cartoon because it was for kids. I was also a huge fan of the cartoon. I I had Ghostbusters shirts. My mom painted a Ghostbusters shirt for me so that I had it. I was walking. (laughs) I actually saw the cartoon far more than I saw the movie, which is really interesting. Yeah, me too. I I didn't see the movie. I'd say until I I want to say probably in my teens, and then I recently saw it again. I'd say four or five years ago, and actually I saw it. And I was like, "This is a, this is like a really good movie. It really held up." Mm-hmm. So I was excited again to see it now. I'm like, "Okay, five years ago, let's see if my tastes have changed. Let's see if it." I love this movie. I think it is <laughs> it is brilliant. I, I will not use any brilliant genius. I think it's hilarious. I think it's written so well, executed so well, acted so well. I, I can't say enough good things about this movie, which is great because I feel like. I was on a tear of like hating everything we were watching. Um, you were the negative Nancy. I, I was. The I was. Emphasis on Nancy too. So, <laughs> no, I, I, I think I can't. I can't say enough good things. But I think the the script is brilliantly written. I think there's a lot of great jokes on like on the paper that was that, that would have that worked well in that sense. And then the execution of all. I think it's all star cast. I think everybody. Sigourney Weaver. Like I thought she would be like the weak link. It's just kind of like okay, well Sigourney Weaver. She's just you know the, the pretty sci fi woman. But she had some great scenes where she's possessed, like, and she's like, like being all weird, creepy, and like snapping her teeth at. I'm like, this is hilarious. Um, What Rick Moranis is genius. Oh yeah. And I like how they 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 interweave all the characters. Like they're all important to the plot. The pacing is fantastic. You go from these guys who are nothing, like just starting out, to like the heroes of New York City in a matter of what hour and forty minutes. Like the the pacing is done so well. It's like the same length as the Neverending Story, but that felt like it dragged on forever. Right, this and it just it zipped it, along, and it moves. And I, I felt like I would have felt rushed, but I'm like somehow they're able to pull it off. Um, just so much like like physical comedy, like Rick Brown is running around smashing into boxes, saying "You'll perish in flame." And what an asshole that guy is, you know. So you um, hadn't seen this movie in how long? Okay, I say four years. I say four or five okay. years. And I liked it then, but I, I don't think I liked it to this extent. Maybe it's mm-hmm. just an appreciation. Maybe it's a little bit of nostalgia, knowing that Harold Ramis had passed. And I'm mm-hmm. like, God, because I think he, I think Bill great. Murray, Bill Murray is always arguably everyone's favorite. I think I feel like Harold Ramis had so many better lines. I think he was. Because he's the, stra- he's the straight yeah, man. He's right. so dry. Are yeah. you serious? I'm always serious. <laughs> I collect spores, mold, mold and fungus. fungus. <laughs> and like, just even when he like print is dead, <laughs> right? And at one point he has like the, has like a thing on his head, like a light on his head, and like he turns and looks right at the camera. It's, yeah. just, it's just so many brilliant like he, he, in the elevator. He says he never really tested these things. I, I just think it's it's the con- even the concept too. I think the concept is great. Mm-hmm. Um, everything about this movie I think is incredibly original, incredibly well done. So. Before, wow. I'm going to stop the gushing and pass it yeah, over to Dave, Dave. I think this is getting embarrassing. <laughs> let's, yeah, well, this is, let's let the love fest problem. continue. This is a problem because we're all, we're, I have a feeling we're all going to be giddy. I'm just guessing that I'm going to be giddy about this. So yes, am I familiar? I am so very, very familiar with Ghostbusters. I've seen this movie a million times. Just like you said, I was one of those kids that grew up on Ghostbusters and, and E.T. and Raiders of the Lost Ark and all those, you know, and Star Wars, obviously. So Ghostbusters was definitely a major part of... Uh, my film-going experience as a, as a, for me, it was in elementary school. I was eight years old when I went to see it. I still remember going to see it with my father, his college friend, his daughter. We all went. I had no idea what this movie was. And, you know, I'm sure they just wanted to see it. And they said, well, we got to take the kids. I guess it's okay for kids. And it's weird because it is kind of that movie where you can go see it. You can enjoy the adventure aspect uh, of it as a kid. And then when you get older, I mean, the comedy is smart smart enough that in dialogue is is clever enough that you can watch it and say this is pretty good. I, w- I will say, as a, as a child, a small, fearful, impressionable child, some of the stuff scared the hell out of me. That's oh, why I didn't yeah. see it until I got older. Oh, like, me too. Yeah. Just some of that was like, oh my god, what is? What am I looking at? You know? Yeah, there was definitely um, there were definitely parts in the movie where I uh, I remember being scared. I mean, especially that opening scene in the library. I mean, mm-hmm. that part alone was exactly was, what I'm thinking about. Yep. Was, uh, I, I was like, well, why are they taking me to this movie? This thing's scary. <laughs> and you know what? Especially the contrast, like Slimer in the cartoons is cute and adorable and fun loving, mm-hmm. and he's like this lovable guy. 
He's like scary looking. He's right. horrifying. Well, it was the reverse for me. I never understood the cart. I mean, I watched the cartoon too, but I, I never understood why they made him this good, this like companion to the Ghostbusters when he was. Yeah, see, this is where the uh, the cartoon and the movie like cross paths in my head. I haven't seen Ghostbusters for like five years or so, and mm-hmm. I thought Slimer was like a character in the movie. Like I hadn't seen it in such a no, long yeah, time. A, no, but he's just totally just no, a no, ghost. That's five roaming vapor. <laughs> yes, yes, he's just. He's just that green guy in the hotel that they that they uh, that their first successful uh, ghost busting mission or whatever. Um, so I'll, I'm going to pass it to you, but I'm just going to say yes. This holds it brilliantly. I think the the dialogue holds it very well. I think as a it's one of the there, there are very few movies I think that are made at a time and it takes place during that time that are, that actually come out really well. You know, a lot of a lot of the movies that we've discussed have always like Road to Perdition was made in the ninth like late nineties takes place in the thirties and forties. You know, this movie is made in 1984. It feels like an artifact from 1984. Uh, the, the time and the place is very important to the movie, but it, it it's still, you know, it it doesn't get in the way of enjoying the movie. I mean, a lot of that, a lot of times that, that pop culture aspect, the songs, takes the, you out of it, yeah. the, the clothes and everything takes you out of it, but it, you know, it, it doesn't, uh, it, it does, it, it's aged well somehow, even yeah. with all that stuff. No, I feel like that's very well said because it is definitely an 80s movie, but it doesn't feel dated as an 80s movie. It feels movie. nostalgic. It just feels like, else, oh, this is how it was in the 80s. And it's not like they're playing, like even, like I love Back to the Future, but even hearing like the Huey Lewis and the News song at the beginning, yeah. mm-hmm. it's like, this is so 80s. Mm-hmm. But And that's what's like, I, I think it's like, how, how do you do that? Because I, I don't know if you, if there's a tried and true method to do that. I, I didn't. I guess I felt nostalgic. I wasn't looking at this like, oh man, okay, well, it's the 80s. I'll let some things slide. I'm just like, no, this is great. This is like a little, it's like a little time, time capsule, capsule. Yeah. yeah, of the 80s. Um, so I don't have, like I said, I don't have the experience that you guys have with Ghostbusters because I mainly watched the cartoon as a kid. I mean, obviously, I mean, I remember going over to friends' houses and they had the plastic proton packs that you yes. put on yes. and you <laughs> would like, like I would play Ghostbusters. Like mm-hmm. this is something yeah. I would do as a kid. And um, but you didn't it, really know why you were playing it. I knew know. it from the cartoon, but like okay. I didn't watch the movie. I don't think until I was like 10, 11, 12, And, I, and I'll say this, I don't think you need to have a familiarity with it. It's not one of those movies where if you didn't see it as a kid, you're going to hate it as an adult. Like we had talked about in the last podcast, like mm-hmm. never talking story about, is one of them. Yeah, yeah. Goonies, I think we kind of talked about. I don't know. I, this I, is a movie I, I, I mean, that, I say I love the Goonies. I wonder if it still holds up. I haven't seen it in a long time. Yeah, I, I, it does not person, hold up nearly as well as Ghostbusters. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I think you can go into Ghostbusters cold and still get a lot out of it because I think it's so intelligent. I clever, do, I do know? agree with you in that respect and a couple reasons. And here's why. I think the pacing is phenomenal. The pacing is great. Like mm-hmm. the movie just is quick. It moves very quickly. I'd almost argue it moves like crazy quickly. And I'll, I'll discuss like, like things about the plot that I'm just like was like this is kind of weird, but like yeah, I, uh, I want to. Let's um, that, yeah. But uh, it moves very quickly. All the characters or um, all the Ghostbusters, all four of them, mm-hmm. they all have their own distinct personalities, yeah. and they're all portrayed. They're uh, all acted in a way that you know they all fulfill a role, but never feeling like they're a stock stereotype. This is like the classic Bill Murray being Bill Murray role, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> um, which is just great. Well, it made him uh, this phenomenal like star i mean right, after ghostbusters board, yeah. I mean, I, yeah can we real quick aside I, I my favorite maybe my favorite scene in the movie is when he comes out of uh uh, uh what's her name sigourney weaver's orchestra show mm-hmm. whatever and she just sees him doing that weird hop on the heel oh yeah hands in the pocket like <laughs> yeah. we do that in the office all the time like that's like one of my favorite parts of this movie he just kind of and you don't know why he's just kind of walking around doing this weird kick in the air and you're like what <laughs> um and then uh I also think that this is an interesting testament to production design and special effects, and um, mainly because everything feels tangible in the movie, because mm-hmm. it probably was. Like, they actually built and constructed yep. sets, right. and um, nothing about it obviously holds a, a candle to how lavish and impressive special effects are nowadays, but at the same time, nothing feels like... Everything in this movie feels like every prop, every object feels like, oh, I could hold that probably and there's yeah. something about that that's just very cinematic to me like very cool right. that um the only thing that doesn't hold up i think obviously is the, st- the stop motion i mean the i mean the stop motion is a very difficult thing you're to, talking about to when age. the creature's running right, right, yeah, right but right. you know the smart decision they made was to to not just use stop motion i mean they would use puppets and yeah and, even and like they the, kept like, the special effects actually to a minimum i think you yeah, look at the, the slimer thing that uh, it doesn't it looks it still looks pretty good it looks pretty good i mean it's, right. it's not perfect but uh, it's I'm so, not horrified by how bad the this was. Know, no, that was all effects. done via stop motion. All the ghosts were. No, I think he's no, a no. Puppet. Just, he looks just, like he was just like the the demon dog thing when he's running know, across the street. The chasing demon dogs, after. and uh, but most of the, you know most of the stuff that uh, they 
they kept a lot of the stuff hidden, you know. And there's one other thing where I think the it's, hands coming out of the chairs. I mean, that's oh, that was terrifying yeah. even now. I mean, yeah, yeah, that was and the, yeah. the, the door kind of getting pressed against with this yeah. face coming through the door. That was actually yeah. pretty, yeah. So, um, real quickly before I get into more plot details, I've this is crazy. I've never seen Ghostbusters two. Oh, yeah. Is it I, I worth? Is it no. worth the time? Mm, no, you don't. You're not I, Ghostbusters fan. I would fan? say yes because it's it's not going to be as good as the first movie, but I think it's more of just kind of like. They're bros. They're your friends. Yeah. I, I wouldn't mind hanging out with them. Even if it's like yeah. just party hang world. out with these four dudes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it depends on whether you want to keep. I mean, I yeah. when I was continues. a kid, I kind of enjoyed, I knew I didn't quite enjoy it as much as the original, and I, I didn't yeah. understand why until later. It just wasn't. As good it's it's different. I think it's a little bit more blockbustery. I feel like mm-hmm. I, I like I like seeing them start from nothing, and I like going on that journey of like. Right. For me, it wasn't just about them like busting ghosts. It's about them like trying to trying to. Start this business right. up, and how they're. And weird. I was going to point out this is one of the best movies probably ever made about what it's like to just start a business and, and just blue collar guys starting a business, just trying to succeed. Yep. Just happens to be, you know, so catching. I, ghosts. I actually do want to talk about that, and this is getting into my like questions about the plot. Okay, um, so there's a reason this movie holds up well, and we need to unpack why. <laughs> I, I just well, one thing I was curious about is they very quickly decide to open up a ghost eradication business, and I. I why? I mean, just from a character perspective, why exactly do they do that? Like, okay, I, I, mean, I, I, I think a lot of it has to do with I'd say uh, Bill, Peter Venkman, Bill, Bill Murray's character. My interpretation is he he just likes to take things easy. He's kind of he's just screwing around in this a- academic a- uh, atmosphere where, like Ray said, they don't really expect results. It's just mm-hmm. kind of they're giving the money to do their research. And he said, you know, when he says like I'm in the private sector, they expect results there, right. which is brilliant line right you get the feeling that bill murray's character is a guy who didn't have to work too hard to get to where he was yeah. well Dan Aykroyd's okay character is probably someone who had to work very hard and got very enthusiastic about his career. yeah so i feel like he's almost i i, I almost want to say maybe it's a way of him kind of trying to keep riding those riding those coattails what do they do immediately i think he gets what's his name to take out a loan and he basically gets dan Aykroyd to fund the whole thing so he's right. kind of just like yeah let's go to business right. for ourselves come on why don't we, you you bankroll it and we'll just so it's for him it could just be a way of hanging on for the ride i think so because he doesn't really seem like he's all that into it they doesn't really seem like he's into the ghostbuster thing i think he's kind of going along where everybody else egon and ray are really into it <laughs> and he's like yeah you know what you fund it you pay me yeah okay that's kind of that's the impression i got from his character i don't know what do you guys think i think we need to to rain we need to talk about what this movie's about okay we, we need to now, now that right. we've gushed over it okay. i think we need to go like okay. backtrack so, and say so what is it Ghostbusters is a supernatural comedy film about three um, professors of the supernatural or paranormal Paranormal. psychology, all that kind of... Parapsychology. I would say psychologists that specialize in Who are um, laid off from their university, which I believe is Columbia University, Mm -hmm. and then decide to go into business eradicating ghosts or specters or spirits um, all and you know, fortuitously, this happens to be a time where uh, a demon god Zool, I'm sorry, no, Gozer, Gozer, excuse me, <laughs> is returning and bringing the undead back to life. Right, it's the apocalypse. It the just apocalypse. happened to be the apocalypse, yeah. which is very convenient timing to start a ghost busting. That's business. why it's a movie because it was just such a great coincidence. We wanted to learn about. We wanted to hear about this story, but. I mean, that's like the plot in a nutshell, right, Dave? I would say yep. so, yeah. But the thing about this that's interesting is if I'm a movie executive and Harold Ramis and Dan Aykroyd come and pitch this idea to me, I'm going to be like, what the heck are you guys are talking you really? about? <laughs> See, I, don't, I think it's a brilliant concept. I think well, it's I mean, real, you, I you think, aren't a uh, 80s market uh, producer and I think <laughs> working it, Columbia I think Pictures. it took guts to make this movie. I think it took could, a lot of cocaine to make this movie. Yeah. In the because 80s, that was copious. It couldn't have so exactly have been cheap to make. No. Um, because it, I mean, it's significant special effects for its time. You think about that whole scene outside the hotel room where the streets are getting ripped up and like right. just the stay puff sure marshmallow cost. man scene. Yeah, yeah. Which has right. got to be. Yeah. A, right. I mean, there's cars and explosions and all that right. kind of stuff. No, it definitely wasn't a low budget movie. That's so I just, I mean, they don't greenlight movies today, blockbusters today that have pro- I think, premises I think as ridiculous. As I want to say in the eighties, I feel like it was easy. You think about all the movies that were coming out around that time. Like I think that was kind of. People are more interested in taking risks than I guess. Is my, I feel like as we get more forward in time, I think people are a lot less risk inclined, and things should be more formulaic. I mean, how many times do you see an original movie nowadays? 
But I mean, like a good point is like if you, first off, I agree. You mean with you. one that's not a sequel or one that's not uh, for, based on or reboot. Just like or I feel like everything's everything kind of has a, a similar like. Well, it's just, think about this. A, I don't think Ghostbusters would have gotten made today. That's the first thing. And then the second thing is, if it does get made, it be, it's it's R.I.P.D. The right. movie with right. Uh, right. Ryan Reynolds. That's well, you, the movie you, that gets made. And made like, or Men in Black though, which was not that long ago. I mean, Men, Men in Black, Black was, was 98, 99? something like that. That know? was. I mean, and that was an okay. It was it, time. Though. It doesn't it doesn't hold nearly as well as Ghostbusters, but it it is like a similar thing where it's like a. And in Ghostbusters I, I, itself wasn't just a complete. I mean, it was a lot. There was a lot of originality to it, and it's really about how they did it more. I mean, there were there were Ghost Hunter, Ghost kind of like Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein, and I mean, there were a history of movies of guys you know hunting not hunting ghosts, but. You know, chasing ghosts. I'll I'll say this. I actually, I I would agree with you, I think, if the script wasn't so solid. Some movies, the script isn't great, but they somehow pull it off through good acting, Mm -hmm. special effects, whatever. I feel like this is a script where if any exec read the script and knew his his stuff would say, this is very well written, it's clever, it's funny, it's weird. It's certainly weird, especially when you think about things like Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man. Like, how do you pull that off? (laughs) the, The script is incredibly weird, but I will agree with you. My thesis of why this movie holds up is I think it's really damn funny. It's just yeah. really there's the the lines, the way the dialogue is written. I think is the the thing about mm-hmm. this movie yeah. that separates mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, yes, I like that the movie moves, and I think the plot is good because it all you know ties together. But it's if it wasn't for the lines and the delivery of them, like I quote Ghostbusters like <laughs> like a lot. Like it, it, even today, I still do that. But, so, but it was funny actually. Then to to jump off that point, I think there are some lines that are. Okay, on paper, and I think the way they they execute them is the delivery. Right. Yeah, like like between uh, Harold Ramis and what's his name, uh, uh, Bill Murray. I think like they made some of the lines twenty times as good as they were on paper because they just the execution of oh, it, the I delivery. Think. Yeah, yeah. And I think there's a lot of improvisation, especially on Murray's part. If I oh yeah, yes, Murray. yes, I think you're um, right. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Movie is the movie still is still funny in a way that maybe a lot of other 80s movies aren't. I mean, you could watch maybe some, maybe a couple Bill Mur- uh, Eddie Murphy movies, uh, like 48 Hours, maybe. You go back and watch that, and, and those movies still kind of hold never up. I've seen it. Oh, 40, yeah. That's pretty good, actually. Uh, Beverly Hills Cop, not as much. I See, I love Beverly Hills, but I haven't seen it in a long time. Okay. Right. But I, I, I mean, I love Beverly Hills Cop. Okay. It's still okay, but I, I think, think I've <laughs> seen, I think I even like the sequels, and I know they're not good movies, so okay. I yeah. just love that character. Well, well, I even really love this movie. Yeah. Guys, yeah. Beverly really? Hills Cop. <laughs> really? Can we can we take five minutes and just talk about it? I gotta it? leave, guys. No, 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 no. I'll be we're back going, in like ten minutes. We're, we're going back to Ghostbusters. <laughs> <laughs> no love for, for Beverly Hills Cop. I was going to say that, and something I thought about while watching Ghostbusters this time, at, at the end of the movie, like something just occurred to me. It was almost like a eureka moment. And that was, you know, the movie ends with this confrontation with this demon, Right. So everything's led up to this confrontation with the demon, and they've been using science and, and research and history and their wits to kind of get to this point where you know they would they would know what to do, and, and at the end they they win by blowing up the building basically. You know, it's like this '80s cliche of like you know they shoot something and it blows up. Whoa, 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 so they it's almost like the streams through which creates yes, a, a, I know. Proto, a total proton yes. reversal. I yes, think yes, is what they yes. Call you can geek and out it like closes that. The, it closes the yeah yeah. But but I know. to me it was almost like this giant joke. They're like, what if at the end we just blew it up and that's how the good guys win? So in a way, there's a lot of there's tons of clever stuff in the movie, but. It, for me, I think now I'm looking at it, it's like, wow, it's like a big practical joke. Well, it is, they didn't blow way. it up. They had to close the portal, which I think they used ah. science to <laughs> yeah. close. I'm not dismissing everything else that happens in the movie. I'm just <laughs> saying that it's almost like, ha, we got you or something. There's almost like this shell of a joke that everything else is contained in or something. But everything else that in the movie is like is great. I mean, you know, there's so many great scenes I mean just the way everything builds I mean there's uh, the and, and the way they contrast the enthusiasm of uh, Dan Aykroyd's character contrasted with kind of the, the dry you know uh, Harold Ramis character and then you have it's almost like this perfect recipe of of Comedic tr- relief tr- and yeah, yeah. you know, it's like nobody, you know, if, if everyone was like Dan Aykroyd's character, it wouldn't work. If everyone was like Bill Murray's character, and I, I dry even, and laid back, it wouldn't work. I mean, and I don't even say that. Like, I don't even think one person is. I, I feel like they all have their comic. I wouldn't even say there's a straight man in this movie because I feel like all of them. Right. And so I know you say Harold Ramis is very dry, but I feel like he has some funny. His dryness is what makes him funny in the thing. Right. I think. Right. I, I agree. And but you know, and yeah. I think his his uh, lines are kind of the, the lines that you see as an adult later on, and you think, yeah, well, I didn't really understand what he was talking about. You know? Well, right. speaking of which, um, I know this movie was popular with all audiences. You know, young uh, young people and adults uh, when it first came out. 
But rewatching it now, I'm amazed at how many adult things in it. Just for the sheer yeah. amount of smoking mm-hmm. in the movie. It's oh, like sure. it was when, the 80s, though. It, I know, but like, <laughs> think it just feels very foreign nowadays. Like you can't even smoke in a bar anymore. But yeah. here. Everywhere Dan Aykroyd's walking around. Every time he wants to look cool, he takes a cigarette out and he's walking around with it half hanging out of his mouth. And so, I mean, there's that. Um, Sigourney Weaver, pretty sexy in the movie. Yeah. Not gonna lie. Yeah. Not gonna lie. Especially possessed yeah. Sigourney Weaver. Possessed with the, Sigourney the Weaver. Shoulder out of the shirt. Let me tell you, <laughs> that's a very '80s thing as well. Yes, but it let is. me tell you, looks amazing in this movie. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, and there's just a lot of jokes about, you know, Venkman jokes about things that I think would have just gone over my head, you know, as a nine-year-old. But mm-hmm. somehow, you know, I don't know. What was this rated? PG? PG, yeah. That's crazy wow. to me. Yeah. yeah. Well, like, PG, I think it came out the same year as uh, Temple of Doom. So PG-13 uh, didn't exist? I think PG-13 okay. existed after This would Indiana have been a hard PG-13. This would have been a PG-13 if we released that. <laughs> just Probably. Probably. Because... They, you know, they. I think they dropped the S bomb, don't they? Yeah, a few times, right? right? Yeah, 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 there's the S bomb. There's the the D bomb, Dickless. I mean, oh. <laughs> is that a D bomb? Which is a pretty good. Which is oh, a great. Here's here's something interesting that I do it's remember. True, this man has no dick. And I don't. Yes, <laughs> something I do remember is that this. I think part of the, the reason this movie stayed popular for so long is it was the kind of movie that they could play on TV, like the way they they used to play it on TV all the time back. What you know before. Uh, even when you had VCRs, they would show this movie and they would show, they must have filmed another version of, of a lot of these scenes because there's this, there's that scene that you were just referencing where Bill Murray's, the Ghostbusters are rounded up, they're put in jail, the mayor wants to talk to them, everything's going to hell in the city and uh, and it's the EPA villain guy played mm-hmm. by William Atherton who's, who's, who's fantastic. trying to convince the mayor that, you know, these guys are, are you know, Shams. this is a giant hoax, right? Right, right. And, uh, and, and he says... And uh, I forget, I think Dan Aykroyd calls the EPA guy dickless, and then the mayor says something, and then Bill Murray says, yes, it's true, this man has no dick. And I remember seeing that version on TV, and it was just, it wasn't like it was bleeped out, it was just a completely different line of dialogue. I don't know if you could find this online, but it was Bill Murray saying something completely different, and there were other scenes in the movie where they did that. Um, hmm. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, but I think it, you know, it, people have seen it so many times on TV, on, on, on VHS or DVD or whatever. Even I, I, that, that, even that scene, as long as we're talking about it, I thought, I love the fact that not only did it have to deal with the ghosts and all the science, but they also had like real world problems of like right. the EPA on their butt because it, right. and then they had to talk right. to the mayor and the bishop, the, the cardinal shows up and he gives his advice. Like, I just thought it was great. <laughs> that made me feel like it's a real New York movie. It's right. like, they had to deal with the New York stuff too. Like right. it's a, it's definitely a love letter to New York at that time. Yeah. I would say definitely. Yep. Yeah. So the, the right on the edge of Central Park, that building. Right. Um, okay. Let's talk about buildings a little bit later. I don't want to <laughs> keep derailing the conversation. I think we're going somewhere with this. So Are we going to do a forty-minute architecture talk? No, 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 <laughs> no, no. Like, we're not like talking about the thirty minutes. Okay. <laughs> Although I do want to. Before I forget, don't I do want to. There was there was something I randomly found online because we all like to look up a little bit, at least you and I, Mike, like to look up a little bit about the movie and read about it. Um, there's a guy who wrote this essay. His name is Adam Bertocci, and at runlayarun.com. And he wrote this, it's like the length of a book, and it's just called Overthinking Ghostbusters. And I started to read it, and I was like, oh, this is actually pretty good. He really is overthinking it. Yeah, because I was just looking, I wanted to read something about the cinematography, because I was really noticing how the cinematography... I mean, and that's something we should mention is that another reason I think this movie holds up, not just because it's funny, it's also really sharp filmmaking. I mean, the filmmaking, mm-hmm. you know, it's not lit in a flat way. It's, the editing is good. There's the, no weird 80 jump cuts, mm-hmm. jump shots, weird things. Right. Yeah. I mean, it looks, it has this classic, you know, it's filmed almost like a drama. It's filmed like a drama, but what happens on screen is funny. So, you know, uh, and the cinematography is great. So I looked, at, I wanted to look up a little something about the cinematography and I, and I found this guy writing... Adam Bertacci, I guess, uh, writing this extremely long series of essays about Ghostbusters and why it deserves to be held up as a classic movie. So I highly recommend anybody well, interested. Give me, can you give me like, let's not read the whole book. Can you give me like one thing that he mentions? One well, thing. Well, he, well, he talks a lot about how shadows are used in the movie and about how that, I mean, you know, and about the colors of the, colors of the movie. Um, um, okay, I'm in. I'm in. You, you know, love colors. Like, <laughs> you, you, yeah, colors, I mean, shadows. I mean, there's a very specific color scheme to this movie. You know, there's like a like a beige and, and kind of drab look to a lot of it till the end when everything kind of you know colorful ghosts are flying all over the place, Fluorescent, so they really yeah. stand out. You know, um, and you know if you watch, it's also I'm not sure where he says this, but there's also a lot of uh, 
really uh, good use of like wide angles and just letting the camera kind of sit and have the, the actors kind of play against each other instead mm-hmm. of just cutting fast. You know, even the, the 80s didn't have a lot of fast cutting for everything. But I, I would think a movie like uh, Beverly Hills Cop and, and other movies, there was a, there were, I think there was a lot more... I'm saying this without actually knowing. Dave has no idea what he's talking about. <laughs> God, it's not the first time either. <laughs> just throwing it out every there. single week. No I mean, idea. If you watch this, there's a lot of rope, single shots. Hang yeah. There's a lot of single shots where just a lot of like the actors are able to just play. The timing is just really good, and they don't have to. You know, there's a lot of just good use of framing in this movie. I mean, it's just. I mean, I mean we can give that. I attribute some of that to Ivan Reitman, the director. Right. We who, haven't mentioned him. I mean, which I was, is. I mean, <laughs> here we go. But I mean. He's a guy that's made a lot of uh, movies that I really, really like. I mean, he's made a lot of bad movies as well, but right. he's, his filmography is pretty interesting. His son has turned out to be a better filmmaker, I think. Ooh. Jason, that's my, that's my opinion, but I mean... Wow. He, Ooh. Uh, well, well are we, uh, <laughs> I See, the thing is, I've got a lot of love for movies that Ivan Reitman is, that has directed that most mm. people probably do not like. Like, I think Six Days, Seven Nights is a really good movie. Uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> I've, I've, only, I've never made it all the way through. <laughs> I just think it's really entertaining, and that's when Harrison Ford was still, like, in movies, mm-hmm. not just pretending to be... In, not not just acting as an old, curmudgeonly old sure. man. In movies, um, Junior. That's one. I think he did Twins. Oh, he did Twins, twins and Junior. I think twins he and Junior. Which he did yes. both, which is amazing. Uh, Schwarzenegger, Reitman were like the De Niro, Scorsese. <laughs> oh, he did of the Kindergarten Cop, which, uh, uh, which again I got a soft again, spot for. There you go. There you go. Hey, twins, officer. Junior, Kindergarten Cop. I'm telling you. But he like, also did Stripes and Meatballs, which I think are two quality films. So right. uh, and Dave, I like the movie Dave a lot. There you go. So good, good I mean, choice. so there. I mean, he's got some good stuff uh, in his filmography, <laughs> and I think that you know there's something to be said about a, a director that can tackle uh, a movie and do it simply. Like it's not overdone, like the mm-hmm. way this movie is shot, and that also allows a lot of the humor to work, like you're saying, because they can interact. All the characters can interact in the movie. Now, a couple questions, more plot questions, I have that maybe Mike can answer because he seems to have all the answers regarding this. <laughs> yes, sir. Why does um, the key master need to bond with Lewis? Because he's a gate, or she's the gatekeeper. He's the key master. But why? Why? Because <laughs> it's hilarious. That's why. But I'm the it's a, set, it's a the... setup for a joke. It's a setup so that you can have Sigourney Weaver say, "I need you inside oh, of me, the key master. I am the gatekeeper." And then they do this reverse "Gone with the Wind" kiss thing. And yeah. it's, uh, I, I think it's just part of the, like just the mythology. Which, by the way, we talked about mythology last last time with um, how there was none in. I didn't feel like there was any in. Uh, um, or there was, it just didn't feel cohesive to oh, the world. Oh, to me it did. Mm-hmm. I feel like I feel like it was. I, I felt to me here this was. I'm talking not, about I mean, never-ending story. I'm sorry. Oh, right. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yes. Here I felt like they built such a strong mythology going back, spanning like 6,000 BC mm-hmm. or whatever the time. It, we're talking about all these different Sumerian gods worshiping this, and then now you know it's it's a, especially when when he goes off when uh, what's his name. Uh, as Vince Clortho, the the the, the key Rick master. Moranis. Thank you. Right. He goes off on that like monologue. Where he talks about the history of Gozer, and he he came back in his second form, and many squirms. Oh, I heard what the hell he's such <laughs> yeah. speaking in gibberish. Yeah, uh, gibberish. Is it, this is the scene where they're examining his brain? Yes, he's got that, that thing on his head. Yeah. And he's like walking. His head is twitching all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just... yeah. There's not there's not like a, a bad comic performance in this movie. Yeah. Like you go, you go back and you look, and even like. Rick Moranis is this movie makes me wish Rick Moranis was still around I was going to say the same thing I, know, I miss that guy he's, he's really good yeah, yeah. he's I, real funny he's got a great presence right. uh, I think he he has some of the funniest lines in the movie too especially yeah. the scene when he uh, presses up against the uh, the wall of the restaurant and he yeah. just flops down and yeah. goes back to eating that's a great <laughs> comedic moment yeah. you will perish in flame <laughs> yeah no, the scene where he's running from the demon dog and, he, and he's like yeah. banging on the glass and, he, and you know oh, and, a bunch yeah. of like it's like this posh 80s New York restaurant. Everyone's just sitting there eating, looking like, oh, it's just some crazy homeless man or something. And by the way, there's a lot of Art Deco. They even call it out, too. It looked, some stuff looked like the 90s almost. The hallway looked very 90s to me. But just, like, to, just to clarify, so there's no specific reason why it had to bond with Lewis. No, no. I, I, I just think it was part of, like, you know, the... The mythology of like the gatekeeper you have to open a gate somehow how are they going to open the gate well these two demons mate and they create that's that's kind of how I just took you know okay I I'm just, just double checking make sure one I didn't thought just anything. occurred to me that they needed two things is that another thing about the cinematography that, that, that had, it's, very, it's a very symmetrically shot yes, movie there's a lot of stuff yeah there's a lot of stuff in this in this movie that you're like the, the composition is very symmetrical so maybe they needed two demon dogs to just for that composition at the end where it you know it, well, it could also. Thing. I mean, the. I mean, I may be overthinking it, but okay. <laughs> overthinking Ghostbusters. Overthinking Ghostbusters. My thought here's my theory. 
My theory is, Mike, what are you looking at? That picture on the bottom corner, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the demon dogs. The demon oh, dogs through the floor. You have no idea what I thought that was. No, <laughs> from I don't know. No, um, now we have fine. a general idea. Uh, I have a very clear idea of what you <laughs> thought that was. Um, my theory is that Lewis had such a crush on Sigourney Weaver's character. It had to bond with two people that, like, like the, his desire for her... It needed to have like a creature um, that bonded with him, him, so I, he could go like because he needed to want a mate. But I think it was just I think it was luck of the draw. It just found someone male because I think the portals just happened to open up in her apartment and his apartment because they were in the same building. I, I mean, yeah, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't discount it, sure, but I feel like it's very specific. I think it just needed male female counterparts get together, Something. open up the gate. I mean, that, that demon dog could have got anybody, so it could have been female. female. Yeah, but <laughs> that, I guess that was my big question: like, why only him at that party? Because it could have just his apartment. The apartment smelled like him. They just happened to be in the wrong place at the right time. Right? Okay. They just yeah. happened to live right where the demon thing wanted I mean, you could make that argument that maybe shop. he was giving off spiritual energy of like, you know, he's like, oh, this is my guy. So now we're overthinking. Individual now right we here. are overthinking things. Okay, cool. All right, I'm done. I'm yeah, done. I think you can overthink the, the filmmaking here. I don't think but the, the actual plot, I don't think there's any reason to. Okay. I think, And I think I was trying to think of another example where this situation applies, but I think there's a tension to this movie, and I think it comes from... From what I read, I didn't actually know how uh, heavily Harold Ramos was involved in the writing, but Dan Aykroyd, if you've seen him uh, in, in talk show appearances or on, on, on heard him on the radio, he's he really is into the paranormal and, and all this stuff. And, I mean, he's a genuine en- enthusiast when it comes to you know the paranormal and UFOs and spiritual stuff. And uh, and so, Harold Ramos, I don't think was like that. So it sounds to me like Dan Aykroyd had this wild idea of reading about it. You know, they it was originally going to be these guys traveling across all these different dimensions, and and uh, I, I, it was going to be much crazier, I think, than it originally turned out to be. And Harold Ramis kind of helped him tone and, it down yeah. and say, like, okay, let's take this crazy idea you have and let's put it in a real world context. And I think that's kind of what makes it work. Yeah. And what's it, cool? Go ahead. I no, know. there's a there's a movie. I can't remember the name of it. Oh, I got it now. Nothing but trouble, oh, uh, which God, is which is written and directed by Dan Aykroyd, mm-hmm. and I feel like saying that's what happens when Harold Ramis is not there to save Dan Aykroyd from from himself. himself. (laughs) Because if anyone's seen Nothing But Trouble, it's like one of the worst movies that anyone has ever made. So it's just very interesting that... I'm sure it was on your previous podcast. Well, if you like think about movies like uh, The Lightning in a Bottle of Making a Great Movie, right? All the things just have to come together and work together correctly. You can have talented people, but everything just has to be in the right amount and the right combination and I think that's what the case with Ghostbusters it's the right cast mm-hmm. it's the right director for the material it's the right co-writers you know it's got a guy who's very enthusiastic about the paranormal and then you've got San Ramos who's just a comedy guy and I'm guessing added a lot of the life to this movie comedically mm-hmm. which is uh, interesting to me so I think yeah this is just one of those things that it works and right. it's hard to it's hard to dissect why that is sometimes. and the filmmaking like the filmmaking uh, doesn't get in the way of the comedy in fact you know and a lot of the time the filmmaking actually you know helps to sell the jokes i mean that's it's something that you know a lot of the time comedies just depend on on the way the lines are read or the comedians or the strength of the of the comedian like jim carrey or, or whoever but in this case there was one thing that stuck out there was one scene that stuck out at the end of the movie before the climax you know they're outside the earthquake thing has happened and they've all come back you know, heroically, and they're you know the crowd is cheering them on, and they're like, yeah, yeah, we got this. And then cut. It's just a still shot of them going up the stairs. You know, and they're like <laughs> yeah. exhausted. And it's like one of those practical things. You know, it's like they don't even have to. They they wouldn't have to say anything. They do say a couple lines. I don't remember what they said, but just I'm them throw up. Let me know. Like Where are we? Teens. When we get to yeah, I'm gonna throw up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just like those. Pra- there's a lot of moments like that in the movie where it's just. You know, just the edit or the um, just the things that happen in the scene, the mise en scene, just help. Uh, they enhance. Say, say that the, again. The, the say that mise en scene. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> the things that happen in the frame. <laughs> yeah, accoutrement. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, I, I, this so, this is a winner. This is definitely uh, one that holds up upon rewatching it, and mm-hmm. I. You know, I look forward to watching a movie like this, you know, with my son. And, yeah. like, this is one I want to show. Like, I don't care about the never-ending story, but I want to show him, right. like, this kind Absolutely. of movie. Oh, yeah. So, And you do, something- I, and I am curious how this generation watching Ghostbusters is going to, like, how they're going to take Do they even the know what Ghostbusters is? Well, no, no. I mean, I'm not saying that, <laughs> that I'm not trying to put it like that. I'm just, I'm just saying, how is it going to read to them? You know, it's not going to, it's not, obviously, you know, the movie's always going to play differently to different generations. But a movie like Lord of the Rings, for instance, it's not going to matter as much 
you know, except for the special effects, maybe. But you know, the 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 time and the place in this movie is is pretty important. You know, that is a good point. You know, there's like you, you, there's a lot of stuff you're not gonna you know you know if you're watching this movie and there's Larry King yeah, has a cameo and he looks talking about so the Ghostbusters. Young. And he's so young, yeah. you know. I mean, I, I, like, and who's you know? There's USA Today. I mean, I guess USA Today is still around. I mean, but. I watched this with my wife, and every five minutes, she's like, "He looks so young." That Bill person Murray? looks every every character. Oh, everyone, yeah. Bill Murray, uh, Dan Aykroyd. Like he's fifteen years Luke old. Luke looks like he's twelve. It's yeah. just like even Sigourney Weaver. You're like, "Wow, she was a very attractive woman." Yeah. <laughs> Did I mention that Sigourney Weaver was very attractive nope, in this yeah, movie? I don't think so. Not, not. <laughs> I love that oh, when he opens the door and she's just like standing in the door. Doesn't he close it and open it yeah. again, and she's still there? <laughs> like, yeah. it's pretty great. I, I, I definitely think this is. Uh, this is a winner, guys. Yeah, so and I agree. it's a good way to honor Harold Ramis. So, what, what, what were some of your favorite Harold Ramis moments? I think we already talked about a couple. But Wait, we, but, oh, Mike, before you we go there, I just want to real quick touch on someone mentioned. I think it was you, Dave. It's, it's a, this is kind of like a love story in New York mm-hmm. City in some way. I like that this movie was entirely shot, as far as I know, in New York City. The, mm-hmm. the, Even the interiors and stuff. The interiors may not be, and the roof was a, a set. Um, mm-hmm. But the Zool Building and the um, firehouse firehouse are both New York and obviously Columbia campus mm-hmm. as well it's all shot in New York City they're actual mm-hmm. buildings you can go to in fact last year on my birthday coincidentally mm-hmm. I didn't do this for my birthday I just happened <laughs> to be there um, if you go downtown I forget where it is exactly actually it's the Ghostbuster firehouse you can go there oh you can actually go um, to it yeah oh. yeah me and Brian Kane what's up Brian mm-hmm. Kane Sandy Marshall <laughs> sub Sandy Marshall no one knows <laughs> who these people are they know they know who they are and they matter so so we went to, we went to the firehouse there let's um, list people we know <laughs> uh, we have so many followers it's just so we went to the um, uh, firehouse down, uh, downtown I actually went there as a kid too and it was really cool they actually had like melted phones in from different houses they've uh, yeah. excavated them from so it was just kind of cool as a kid going there and going there when I was when I turned 30 and then uh, I actually didn't go to New York until I was in my 20s and I remember going to the uh, New York Public Library oh yeah that's right just, yeah. you know, just, yep. I guess I'd seen that Ghostbusters so many times and the scene with Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd standing in front of the library he's so you know just you know it's it's in, something infectious about this movie. There's like a sense of joy to it. So it's like I always remember all these th- these these scenes in the movie. Everybody's so excited to be doing what they're doing. You know, even yeah. when when shit gets real and and uh, you know like the, the apocalypse is happening. You know, Bill Murray has this enthusiastic attitude, even though it's dry. I mean, there's there, there's the scene at the end where the, they've just kind of shot the uh, or they they're battling the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man, which again is something that you don't really understand as a kid. Now it just seems ingenious. Yeah, and uh, he, you know, Egon, you know, Harold Ramis says something like, "There is one radical idea I have. We could cross the streams, and it's been, you know, it's like Chekhov's gun, where they set up that, that uh, yep. don't cross the streams, like you know, much earlier in the movie, and now they're paying it off with him saying, we should cross the streams, <laughs> and uh, and then Bill Murray's like." Well, you said it was bad. And he's like, well, I think we should just do it. And so we have a very slim chance we could survive. Sounds good, yeah. And yeah, he's like, sound, yeah. And then Bill Murray gets this like enthusiastic look. He's like, that sounds great. We may die. The world may end. Let's do it. You know, he smacks yeah. him on the shoulder. Everything just has so much, uh, you know, joy. I guess that's the word I'm, yeah. I'm left with. There's, you know, like a, a sense of of, of uh, everybody's happy to be here working on this movie. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I feel like so many movies nowadays are shot in so many different locations like for instance uh, her I think was shot in China and Singapore all mm-hmm. over the world right I like the fact that a lot of these places were shot all in New York they didn't mm-hmm. have to fake it they didn't have to say oh this building looks like it's, it's actually actually wasn't mm-hmm. the Zool building is off Central Park it's right there next to it is a tiny little church that, that the uh, Stay Puft Marshmallow Man steps on so mm-hmm. these places exist you can go there and actually see and be like oh check it out they <laughs> added a little bit they, it looks like they added a couple extra stories on top of the Zool building it's mm-hmm. a lot flatter less right. pointy but like it's a place that exists you can go there I, I, I bet some of the interior would even be part of that building as well and I love the idea of that I love the fact that you can go to these places as if they actually happened and you're like wow this is where Egon stood and this is where the you know all these different things had happened um, especially being such a fan of the movie and as a kid like it's really cool I, I, I really appreciate again, that again I think it's that, that like, t- there's something very tangible about the movie like, yeah, yeah. Feels- and I think it's, 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 it's much more personable and humble instead of going for these amazing mind-blowing locations you go with what you have in the city it's a lot right. more true it's a lot more honest I think mm-hmm. I like that mm-hmm. so uh, closing out the podcast any final thoughts on Ghostbusters I like we, Dave's we, idea let's well, talk we, about some uh, we, should, we should do two things we should talk about a little bit about the song I think which is uh, the very, 80s theme song the 80s theme song definitely and we should definitely bring up a couple 
I mean, I, I know I, I have a couple of my favorite Harold Ramis moments from the movie. Okay, favorite um, Harold Ramis. Moment. Well, okay, so there's, there's the ones. There's the scene where they go into the firehouse. They're first getting their little business together, yes. and uh, you know they're they're getting the tour just like you would if you were opening any business. And and uh, Bill Murray says, "So what do you think, Egon? You know Harold Harold Ramis Harold Ramis's character." And he, he gives this Bill Murray this gentle pat on the on the arm, like, well, buddy. And, and then he goes into this long tirade about how crappy the place is. <laughs> He's like, you know, he ends basically saying, like, the place is like a demilitarized zone. And then, you know, it's, it's another one of those situations where it's like there's maybe a cut or maybe just a pan up. I think it's the Dan same Aykroyd, shot. And Dan, Dan Aykroyd just comes like, guys, this place is great. It's and he's like, a oh, fire pole. He's, like a, he's like a 12-year-old boy. He's like, this place is great. You know, and it's just the contrast between Ramis's, you know, just dry performance there and then. Ackroyd, just enthusiastic little boy character was great. And then there was one, uh, there's also this scene at the end, they're, they're taken to jail and it was almost like Egon gets his moment there. You know, he's able to describe everything to all the other prisoners and everybody. And they're all really him. interested. They're, they're all really into it. Yeah, it's almost like a campfire story. He's like telling, <laughs> and he gets this little smirk on his face when he's like, he's like, yeah, the world's ending. Yeah, I'm going to tell you all about it. You know? Yeah. Yep. So, uh, you know, it's you can tell that even though things are bad uh, you know this guy is very happy to be doing what he's doing he really enjoys the history and all this yeah. stuff you know it's, it's like uh, yeah so those are yeah. my moments that I really liked I think that moment of him and him and Dan Aykroyd explaining the building and how it's so strange it's built so strangely but not by accident it's on purpose the guy did this is genius you know right. that whole scene I think is a great it's like scene they're, it's, it's like they're like, fans of what's happening yeah you know? and, mm-hmm. and then you're building the, such a strong mythology of the fact yeah. that it's, oh this has been going back for years this building was made just to summon demons and now they're trying to take, capitalize right. on it um, but yeah, the scene I think in the elevator where he explains that we've never really tested these proton packs. We're all proton packs. We're all carrying like a nuclear warhead or a nuclear generator on a back. Nuclear and accelerated he, something. Or he other, turns yeah. it on and everyone kind of just slowly <laughs> steps away. Yeah. And even though they're in an the elevator, we're going to go. It's again, it's like one, one of those. It's just like a single shot. That's you know, if you were to watch this movie on TV in the '80s, I think they had to cut back and forth because it was widescreen, yeah. a widescreen composition, and and you know, a lot. It plays so much better when all three of them are just yep. there in the frame, and, and you're right, just seeing them kind of back off away from Harold Ramis. And mm-hmm. I think even I, I liked his his uh, relationship with Janine. How he's just sure. kind of this dry, but he's playing it cool, and she's like so into him and all, yeah. all these nerdy ways, and just yeah. kind of you know. There's a scene. This is just I just found this funny personally. He's eating a. Uh, eating Cheez-Its. I love Cheez-Its. The box of Cheez-Its is exactly the same as it does today. The brand has not changed. He's just sitting there munching on Cheez-Its, this yeah. scientist. Yeah. Um, well, well, they do make a point of, uh, they, they do make a point of the fact that these guys are not exactly well off, right? The right. last meal is Chinese food and they're going to be out of money, out of business. Uh, so, yeah. Cheez-Its sound like a good, cheap food to, to yeah. get by on, I guess. Oh, and by the way, Easter egg. Apparently, I didn't notice this, but the, the Stave Puff Marshmallow is in her bag of groceries. Yes, and it's a. It's a, a I picked up on I that for the first that. time today. This time when I watched, yeah, it. I, I completely missed it. I, and, I, and speaking of Stave Puff Marshmallow, how do they pull it off? How do they make that guy so terrifying? Like it's it's iconic. It's an iconic image, and it's somehow still right scary well, and mean, terrifying. Like it's it's ah. the miniatures. The uh, I'm assuming it was a, a puppet or guy in a suit. Obviously, guy in a suit. It was you know and. Uh, you know, the compositing of the movie actually isn't bad. I mean, yeah, it, no, it's it, great. You know, it, it's, it's and then he catches well on fire, and he's this flaming hands coming. It's very it's cool. Just, it's just right. Ah. right, and it's also kind of hilarious. Yeah, know, it's, it's, funny it's a marshmallow. It's man. funny and it's terrifying. And like, how do you write that? How do you come up? With, who decides? Like, that's the thing. I think that's what's so genius about this. How do you make the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man this fun-loving, cute little character, horrifying, terrifying, right. walking in the streets of Manhattan with this like scary grimace on his face, like? They pulled I, I it off. I'm a, like, I could never. Like, it's, it's a visual uh, encapsulation of the movie's combination of comedy and, and, yeah, and, and action and yeah. horror and all that, right? which is, you know, it's a tough thing to pull off, and that shows you basically how it works. Right. And it's a good, yeah. it's also another successful gag setup. I mean, yep. you're, you're thinking, oh, so what's going to happen when they destroy this marshmallow man? Guys, well, so, yeah. there's going to be tons of marshmallow everywhere. So, <laughs> you know, there's, you know, the movie ends with everybody getting covered in marshmallow yeah. you know Seems and then you get delicious. the ghostbusters walking around and it's like oh a traditional heroic moment at the end of the movie where you know it's like the the cowboys walking off into the sunset but instead they're covered in marshmallow and you know, yeah and you know it's that's pretty funny even today i mean it's you know this movie and one thing i do love is it gets by without any, any like uh you know poop jokes or or whatever you know there's a there's a minimum it's my disappointment yeah there's no there's you know they the jokes are they're just funny. Yeah, they're just funny. They're right? funny. Yeah, I mean, I yeah. 
So uh, any other final thoughts you want to say? You want to say something about the theme song? Oh, the theme song. I, I, in oh, terms I'm of like my favorite quotes, you guys mentioned a lot yeah. of them. I like the scene. Um, I forget what the exact wording is, but he's like, it's it's a one liner that Ramus says when he's like, when you try to drill a hole through your head, he's like, that would have worked if you didn't stop if you me. Didn't stop me. And yeah. it's just like he's so matter of fact about it. Like he was you got are you serious? I'm always serious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean we should and we should also just take a second to praise Bill Murray in this movie. I mean, there's a it's a huge, definitely a huge reason why this movie works as well as it does. Oh yeah. It was originally yeah. gonna be John Belushi. I was trying oh, to imagine what it would have been oh, like with John Belushi. No. <laughs> not Jim Belushi, John Belushi. John Belushi's been, very talented. Right. Jim John, Belushi, not so much. John Belushi, you know, the Blues Brothers Animal yeah. House. I mean, it makes sense because of Ackroyd him but yeah I think it would have been a much more uh, it would have been a movie that would have relied a lot more on physical slapstick comedy I'm trying to imagine I'm trying to imagine which this does here a little bit but I think yeah it's different I think he had more most of the, in the arsenal for you know he, most of the humor yeah. is, is is dialogue. It's yeah, not, you're right. It's not no, you're as right. Much you're actually yeah, you're right. And if you're you right. watch Jim Belushi yeah. movies, uh, a big strength of him as a comedian was uh, the slapstick. You know. The way he would—I mean, he was uh, kind of like a little Chris Farley. <laughs> Any history yeah. of mental illness in your family? Uh, my uncle thought he was Saint Jerome. <laughs> I'd say that's a big yes. yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Back off, man! I'm a scientist. scientist. <laughs> yes, all these great lines. <laughs> so yeah, so, I think yeah, we're well, gonna the theme song. Just one quick thing. Sorry, oh, God sorry. Dave, what do you want to say? Have places to be. You guys, yeah, we all have places to be. But how can no. you not talk about the Ghostbusters theme song? It's very good. It's yeah, it's a good song. I mean, it's I mean, it's uh, it, it, you don't see a lot of movies that have these montages of. of but just think about happening. like uh, it's a, it's instantly recognizable around the world. I would argue. Mm-hmm. I think you could play this in a foreign country and people would recognize a Ghostbusters theme. Right. Like it's just crazy how ingrained in, in pop culture that song right. is. And if you say Still who is. you gonna call, I mean, it's it's almost you know, know who yeah. you gonna, the next line in your head has got to be Ghostbusters. That right? that is crazy how iconic that song is in popular culture. Right. And who wrote it? Do you have any idea? I don't know who wrote it. I know it, who but it is was, when I hear it. I know it. I forget. It was Ray Parker Jr. that performed it. Yep, <laughs> I know that. And I can just a quick mention. You know, I'm talking to my eight year old, nine year old self. I I, I remember. Oh record, Records used to come out. I don't know if you guys are familiar with this thing called a record a vinyl it was a vinyl disc that you would put on on a, on a device it would spin around and there was a needle that would so amplify the music yeah. Yeah, it, it, yeah so uh so these 45 45 singles used to come out and on the other side of the 45 single was the instrumental version of that song so you could sing along with the song and i remember it being such a big deal to kids to you know, my age to be able to flip that record over and just sing along with ghostbusters and you know yeah. i had to mention that. I, th- yeah. I think yeah, I mean, everybody I knew was singing along with Ghostbusters. So, boom! It was a very popular song and a very popular movie. It, it's, it was. It's a blockbuster of the time. You know, as I don't even know if that term was used back then. Yeah, I guess yeah, it was. They Jaws. Had a video store. You know I mean? Yeah. Sure. So there you go. So I think this was a fun. It was fun to rewatch this movie. This is an excellent suggestion. Yeah, excellent. I, I know you. that yeah. we've already seen it, and we probably already knew it was going to hold up anyway. But it's yeah. still fun to rewatch it. Yeah. Um, next time we were going to do this one originally, we're going to try to do Clockwork Orange because we didn't do it last time. Also, it's got a color in the title, so you're going to love it, Mike. You're going to love it. <laughs> Can't wait. Orange. He just loves colors and things. I don't know. Yep. <laughs> he just loves color. I think Ivan might be tired from from being a. Dad, <laughs> a new dad. Maybe, this is maybe. Week what? Week two? Week three? Week three? Week three yeah. He's three years old. I mean, still uh, three alive. weeks old. Um, he's aged about ten years. Yeah, he's like an <laughs> aging under dog. Under his eyes right now. Um, yeah, so we're trying to do um, a Clockwork Orange, which apparently Dave has written a book report about in high school. <laughs> Please bring that. I would like you to read that. I would like spoken uh, word if you would yeah. mind. Yeah, prose. Uh, so real quickly, you can find us on the web at uh, reviewedpodcast.com and at uh, facebook.com slash reviewedpodcast. Oh, I still f- keep on forgetting. I need to get an email address set up. So yeah. <laughs> I'll work on that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you guys can uh, let us know your choices. Uh, so if you have a movie that you really want us to talk about, post it on the Facebook page and We'll get around to it, I promise. Um, <laughs> maybe. Maybe. Um, Definitely. And, uh, Mike, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter, at uh, Mike Morandi, or my website, at MikeMorandi.com. And, and you can, Dave. And you can find me on Twitter, at Dave Glanz. It's G-L-A-N-Z. And you can find me at DaveGlanzProductions.com. Yeah. Um, both these guys are incredibly talented um, motion designers, so you should check out their stuff. Oh, why, thank you. Um, and you can find me uh, on, uh, at... <laughs> 
at Ivan Kander on Twitter, and uh, my website is Lucky9Studios.com, and I write for a website called ShortOfTheWeek.com. So and can... we would be remiss if we didn't say that Ivan was also very, very talented. You guys are great. Guys, let's All just talk about how talented. great we are for the next 10 minutes. <laughs> next week. <laughs> um, so we will, get, we will see you guys next time when we discuss The Clockwork Orange. Thanks. Bye. Everyone ready? Ready. Spaghetti. Ready. Mike, stop. <laughs> <laughs>